Hey everyone, John Davidson here with another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Today, my guest is Simon Bennett, co-owner and CEO of AOE Creative. He's got an incredible career journey where gaming, back when he was in the UK, saved his life when he was deeply in depression and catapulted his career into esports. Made it over to the US, he's worked with some of the top brands, Optic Gaming, Houston Outlaws, now he owns his own creative agency. He's going to share a lot about company culture and how to build a business. Let's talk to Simon. Drop in the untold stories of industry leaders, influencers, and insights on future innovation. I'm John Davidson, and this is the DLC, DLC Drop, Drop Podcast. Podcast. All right, Simon Bennett, thank you for joining the DLC Drop Podcast today. It's my... My pleasure to have you, co-owner and CEO of AOE Creative, creative agency founded in esports and gaming. I think your your work is well known across the industry. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe the companies, yeah. That's hey, the right way to do when it. When you're doing a good job, people don't know who you are. They just yeah. know who the companies are, yeah. right? It's like, oh, Simon, your team did that. That's yeah. sick. Or when we pitch a client and they're like, wait, you do Call of Duty League stuff? And we're like, yeah. And they're like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, you told me something the other day about, you know, managing the social channels. And I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Didn't know that was your team. Didn't know you were hitting send on that account. Yeah. We, yeah. We were very lucky to, oh, a bit luck and a bit of skill to, to land that one. But yeah, we do. We manage of Watch League and Call of Duty social account, Call of Duty League's social accounts on the esports side. Right. Yeah, that's good. Cool. And I want to get into the, how you landed those and some background <laughs> on that. But as much as you're able to share, of course. But before we get there, why don't you tell me how you got started? What was your path to where you're at now? If you can summarize that for the audience. I have a very long story, but I'm going to try and keep it as short as possible. So I originally in the UK, obviously not an American. In the UK, I trained. I thought as that a was a Southern accent. Are yeah. you? I, that's my like that dad joke you tell every time with a client when they say where are you based and I go Texas can't you tell yeah y'all like, every time gets a laugh it's like I'm pretty sure my co-founder hates me so much for that <laughs> but yeah yeah I started 18 years ago now in the industry actually was a teacher initially like trained as a teacher a biology mm. teacher and sort of without going into too much detail kind of fell out of the whole system in the UK like teachers like they are here actually like treated like crap they are paid like crap. Like it's not, yeah. it's not a great place, even though they are entrusted with the like futures of your children, they're still treated pretty badly, paid badly. And yeah, it was, it's really difficult. It, I, I have so much respect for teachers because of trying to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of dropped out of the whole thing and like fell into a pretty big depression and, you know, was living at home and pretty much the only thing that kind of kept me out of any kind of dangerous space was uh, World of Warcraft Guild that I, la I oh, led. Wow. And I led a World of Warcraft go with a bunch of, a bunch of guys and girls. And I think one night I was just, you know, depressed and talking about how, you know, I didn't know what to do with my life and blah, blah, blah. And they were like, oh, what, like, you know, this Blizzard is hiring in, in, what in, age in was, Ireland. What age were you? At this 20, point? 24, okay. I think. Uh-huh. And I'm like, sure. I not like sent in a CV. <laughs> Can't get I, any worse than this. Let's yeah, see what it goes. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like living on $50 a, a month like unemployment and stuff. Wow. Um, yeah. So I, I sent my CV in. What I didn't know was that the leaders of my WoW Guild were all Blizzard employees. And because I, I led 
one of the largest guilds in, in Europe. Yeah. And so they fast tracked my CV through internally. Oh, incredible. And when I turned up for my interview on the first day, there's this like big Swedish dude, this skinny girl, this like, and they just reeled off the in-game names. And I like broke down because I didn't, until that point, I had no idea that they worked for that. That's incredible. Um, Yeah. So I I actually got a job as like a customer service rep at Blizzard for, for before, just before Wrath of the Lich King came out. Okay. And I stayed in the basic role for like maybe three months. Like they hired like 2000 people at that time. Oh, wow. It was like a massive hiring spree. And I just, and that's when you, when you just, like you were saying just before we were talking, you find that thing that you're good at. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm really good at this. Like I get gaming. I'm good at dealing with people. I'm good at speaking to people. I'm good at like leading because I learned all of my leadership through playing World of Warcraft. Right. You know, like I led like 200 people, you know, team. Mm. And yeah, I transitioned really quickly in, because at that time that was just as the GSR had started in Korea. And I was like, I'm a mega StarCraft fan, like huge StarCraft fan. Yeah. And I was like trying to get everybody like, oh, just World of Warcraft's cool, but like, you gotta like watch Tasters and Artosis, watch, watch Day 9 Dailies. And, mm-hmm. and they kind of picked up that I was, I wouldn't shut up about it. And they just put me into an esports role kind of before it was an esports role. Sure. And I was teaching people about the lore of StarCraft and why, like how casting should be done properly, how you hire for casting, how you do content mm. for esports specifically. And yeah, then then Blizzard did the, about four years later, they did like a massive redundancy thing. Okay. As, as World of Warcraft took a bit of a downturn. Sure. They, they, they had hired too many people when I came on. Okay. So it's kind of natural, unfortunately. You kind of get to learn that after you make a business that that's a thing that happens. At the time, it was a douche move. But sure. you know, then you realize actually this stuff happens. Yeah. And I took, luckily I was in Europe, so they had to make you take, they had to offer voluntary redundancy first. Mm. And I, my next step was America, but I knew I was never going to get employed in America through Blizzard. It's just at that time, there was no progression outside of Europe. I was as high as I could go in in Europe without being like an executive. And that was that. So I, I, I left and I was just going to go traveling, but my boss at the time just took a job as like the, I think he was the general manager of wargaming.net okay. in Paris. And he was like, come do esports at wargaming. Cool. And I was like, screw it. Yeah, sure. I'm coming. Like left, went to Paris. Yeah. Second, third country now. <laughs> yeah. I went there and that I was literally told like do esports. Like that was just. What was specifically a year esports? Before, like what did that actually just, mean? They had no idea. Oh wow. That was the point. They were just like, you get that esports thing, you do esports. And I was like, well, with World of Tanks, like, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, not a AAA and, title. Yeah, well, it, it was then, but not yeah. an eSports title, that's for right. sure. that's what I mean. But yeah, like, uh, yeah, I started with a free Alienware laptop that Alienware were nice enough to give me. I cast the events myself off with an Alien laptop from my desk in the office. Amazing. Casting World of Tanks, and we built a team. Like, so we built up a team, ended up with, like, I think it was like a five or six person team. We did the first ever IEM Katowice with, we actually had 30,000 people watching us. I cast, wow. which is from your how desk. bad it was. No, no, I cast from IEM Katowice, from oh, okay. a, but it was so bad. I will claim, however, that I have my one claim to fame is, you know, uh, Mitch Uber, yeah. the caster. So I yeah. was the one who made 
ESL move him from Australia to Germany to cast World of Tanks. Really? Because <laughs> I was like, this guy's a god. Like, this guy's yeah. going to be one of the best casters of all time. And I just want to flex. Like, I fought with Nate Nanzer about this already because he claims it too. But Okay. All right. Never Nate. Well, you know. <laughs> but yeah. And yeah, then I went Wargaming. I left Wargaming. I went to Razor. I mm-hmm. did events and sponsorships at Razor, helping them sponsoring Take TV and a bunch of other stuff like that. And had a lot of discussion with marketing and learned a lot about marketing and doing events and removed Razor from Gamescom, which people weren't very happy about. But like, I was trying to explain like brand marketing and brand visibility is such a important, you have to understand it so well. Like even yeah. Razor didn't really understand it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of brands don't understand it. Yeah. I because mean, that direct sales, transactional advertising, do, it's building a brand. It, it's yeah. like people, people like the, the sexy part of marketing, yeah, but they don't understand the technical part of marketing, yeah, which is a lot of data, a lot of like, you, like doing something, we, measuring it, yeah, and, and the way we say it, how to do it better, like, doing it again. We do a lot from we we do a lot with instinct, but we back up our instinct with data. So we have an yeah. idea. I I'm pretty certain this is going to happen. Right. So this is my, you know, my hypothesis. Yeah. And now I'm going to prove my hypothesis. You know, it's a scientific approach, right? Like you, I'm proving my hypothesis or disproving all of my null hypothesis. Mm-hmm. So we approach it that way where it's like we've been, and it's not just me, like the whole team have been in the industry a long, long time. Yeah. And so we, know, we, we have like that intuition of, I know this is going to work, uh-huh. but I'm not going to just rely on my intuition. I want to back that up with the data. Right. And people just, a lot of the time they just do that first part because like, oh, I totally get gaming. I played video games my whole life and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it's like, yeah, but you have to, you have to back that up. Like our head of marketing is a young guy, Thomas Hyduke. Yeah. Um, like super talented, but his background is in like digital marketing. Right. So he's, he's developing into this incredible marketer, but he's got it based in the data, yeah. which is really the right way to do it is based in the data and then, and then gain the, gain the experience with your love of it. It's like what right. we always say, never hire any sports person, hire the person for the job and that likes gaming. Like it's important yeah. factor. So anyway, sorry. Went from Razor to faceit.com, did all of their marketing as a marketing director at Faceit. Did the first ECS. Really the first time I seriously marketed with CSGO and understood the CSGO industry, which is really, I love that. I love that industry. I love the people, the players. It's a really great place. Yeah. Uh, very scrappy even for esports. Yeah. And then left face it and was like, I'm going to start my own agency. Like I'm mm. going to do that myself in London. Can't be that hard. Yeah. <laughs> I lasted three months. <laughs> <laughs> I did my own one and only client was the London government, which is pretty cool. Hey, that's a good um, one. So I helped them with some, some policy work on developing esports in London. Yeah. Which is, I think they're still acting on, which is pretty cool. That is. Cool. And then in doing so, like we were talking about before investment, met this guy, Chris Cheney, and mm-hmm. he was like, I'm making this thing in the US. We're going to be calling it Infinite Esports. Yeah. And we're buying Optic Gaming. <laughs> and I'm like, who? Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't do consoles. I don't, I don't know who yeah. Hector Rodriguez was before I came to America. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I came over, uh, met Markel Lee, like literally the first human being I ever met off the plane in America. Really? He picked me up from the airport. We became best friends like instantly. That's cool. He we worked in the same office together. We live next to each other. It's a bit weird, actually. Like when we were founding AOE and the accountant was like, okay, so what's your address? Like uh, 12301. He's like, well, what's your address? 12303. He's like, that's pretty weird. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's pretty weird. But unique and super cool. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I've always the, had this vision for what I want to do, but yeah. I can't. I'm a big vision person. I'm, mm-hmm. I've always been aware that I'm a big picture person. I'm not a minutia person. I'm not good at all the little bits. Yeah, Markel is the like action man. Like he mm. knows how to take an idea that I have or that we have together and actually make it into a real thing. Like him, and then That's combined cool. with Nabil and combined yeah. with Thomas, it, they're like a like a godlike team. And That's cool. yeah, sorry. Anyway, infinite happened. It definitely happened. Uh, it was it a happened, learning boy. experience. Yeah, I saw it closely as well. Sure as that was a happened. GameStop. That's how you and I met. Yeah. We yeah. did a deal. One of the deals that I helped facilitate was with Infinite, yeah. with Optic, and the Outlaws. Does yeah, so it... we built the Outlaws. That was a thing, too. Forgot about yeah. that one. Yeah, built the Houston Outlaws. That was good. Won some awards for that. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah, you guys did some great things with that brand. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was us proving a lot of concepts. We had a lot of ideas for Optic that, due to some politics, we couldn't do. Sure. So we just, you know, focused all of those ideas onto the outlaws and it turns out they all work or yeah. at least the majority work, which is good. We, I remember having a conversation with Hector when he was like, why didn't you do this with Optic? We were like, we tried, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, there's too much fighting going on. So we just sure. focused on a brand that, that there was no fighting going on. And well, you guys shocking. got a lot of big crowds to show up for the outlaws. Yeah, I did, remember that. Yeah, yeah. We did a 600 person watch party for the first game. We were like, what the hell is this? Like, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, we did the, we did a bunch of work. Like I was a big, when we were in the Outlaws and I knew that we had money to spend, uh-huh. I was a big proponent for my team of like, I want first evers. I want, because yeah. when you're trying to make something new, you've got to do first evers. You've got to be first ever two, first team two, first North American team two. Mm. Like, because there's so much, there's so much noise in the esports space. Sure. The, and, and press are, especially esports press are struggling super hard you do like a big watch party, they don't give a crap. Like that doesn't get views. That doesn't get readers. You do the largest yeah. ever North American watch party sure. that gets put up there. That's that gets views. So yeah. we were really focused on that. Like we did the first ever block party for an esports team, we did the first ever multi-city player tour for an esports team. We did the first ever, well, the, the largest watch party of all time for an esports team at the yeah. time. God, we did a bunch of stuff. And that was this campaign band together that uh-huh. we did with yeah. the Outlaws. And, and we, I think we're probably one of the first ever teams to actually build a proper one-year campaign, like okay. an actual marketing campaign. Most of the time, campaigns are driven by the partners who come in and like like yourselves when GameStop are like, okay, we got this campaign running and we've put you in as a team into our campaign concept mm. and you don't really get to do the campaign. You're just doing our campaign part. With the Outlaws, we didn't have partners at the start. Nobody really knew what to do. Right. So we were like, well, we should build a campaign and then bring our partners into our campaign. And they have something is, to sponsor. They're sponsorable yeah. assets. So we we locked down there. T-Mobile because of that. Because right. the, we were the only ones we were like, well, actually, we've got these events booked. We've got these watch parties booked, all part of this large campaign. We can put like extra little items into it that we already planned all this. So we just put you in. And they're yeah. like, well, yeah, that sounds great. And, <laughs> you know, their gap is not endemic brands typically is not knowing how to integrate into the space. Biggest and issue we have. Either right? they don't know how to even start or they just know traditional sports tactics. And it's like, well, if you're not adding meaningful value to the experience <laughs> of the community, yeah. you're going to get blacklisted. You can't just show up and, you know, have your blimp fly around the arena or something like yeah. that. Yeah, well, like you are fully aware you can't, I mean, because GameStop, one of the only people that actually did it properly a lot of the time was you can't just speak sports language to esports fans. It's right. not the same people. Like then they exactly. don't receive 
ironically, the only group that you could do that with are the fighting games industry who nobody wants to sponsor because they're scared of, scared of them, you know? Like, right. But just, so yeah, Outlaws was awesome. Optic was actually really fun. We learned a lot. Infinite, yeah, I mean, it learned was- Learned a lot as well. A lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot about business at Infinite. But met some really awesome people. Launched AOE from Infinite pretty much directly. Yep. We started, it was just myself, Markel, Nabil. Thomas came across like a month later, who's, that was the core founding team. We planned to have Infinite up and running for a few months when we built out the website. You know, we weren't going to get clients. We were running off my severance money from Infinite. Oh, wow. Was the investment into AOE initially. Yeah. Uh, working out of my uh, apartment second room. I think we met yeah. over there one time. I came um, over, we yeah. hang out. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, what the, what the this. I was like, oh, okay, these guys are, they're dog, really yeah. doing it. Yeah. They're scrappy would be the word. Oh, that would be a polite way of saying <laughs> that, yeah. Then the red, the next six months was like the weirdest and I learned the most, right? Because uh-huh. not only did I have to start a business in America. Yeah. No, sorry. Not only did I have to start a business, but I had to start one where I didn't know anything about the law, the taxes. I didn't know anything about that. I still don't know some of it, honestly. Sure. So I had to learn that whilst running a business. Thankfully, and I think one of the strongest things we have as a team is we're very good at hiring the right people. Mm. Very, very good at it. And and that has helped us a lot with... What does that process look like for you guys to, to make sure that you're hiring the right people? It, it's tough. Okay, so... I'm going to lead this with a small, small story when we were, we're discussing, we're bringing out, putting out a new website soon. Yeah. Soonish. We were talking about careers page okay. and how kind of ridiculous careers pages are in general. And we, for a small amount of time, considered just putting the words, don't worry, we'll find you mm. in the careers page because we are watching people like Got it. in the space, like all the time. Yeah. So, we, one of the things we do, and, and again, I'd love to talk a bit more about company culture in a bit, but yeah. one of the things we do every Monday without fail is we do a, like an hour to an hour and a half share where we just share and talk about cool stuff that we found, not just mm. in gaming, but with other agencies in industry and in sports and promotion. And we love talk that. about what we like. And part of that is to encourage all of our staff to find people like find amazing people Mm. that are out there so because and so almost all of the stuff we have right now we either knew we wanted or were a recommendation from someone we trusted yeah we have had almost no staff almost no staff come through a form or a job application almost none from my experience i've never hired somebody myself i've worked with a small company that hired people I've obviously been hired by a number of companies, but every good job I've got was through relationship. Yeah. They knew, they knew somebody. Exactly. Yeah. So we, we do that a lot, especially when you're hiring for big, really big clients is mm-hmm. you better be damn sure that you know that that person is going to be able to, cause I don't know if it's just for our agency. I'm pretty sure this is the same for every agency you hire, at least at the beginning as the clients come in. So you have your eye on people and you're like, okay, so if we get this deal, this person, this person, this person, if we get this deal, oh, we got this person, this person. And, and they're all aware that you're like all those people were saying like, okay, we're pitching, you know, Activision Blizzard next week. And if it goes through, you're starting on Tuesday, you know, like that's the mindset. Um, 
So that's always the game with small business is you you can never find the perfect balance on exactly the right amount of clients to support your business. You you always yeah. have to go try to go past because you're not going to land everybody. And then there's that question of if I land it, how am I going to do the work? Yeah. And but you have to do that. Yeah, or, and then you figure it out as you well, go. Add, or add on I top of that mm-hmm. culture, right? So one of the big founding factors we had for AOE is we don't like the traditional agency model. Okay. We, we really don't like agencies that are pretending to be 50 people when actually it's three people and 48 Agreed. contractors because yeah. that's be transparent. That's tricking the client to some extent. Some clients are okay with it. They just know that's how it is. But the problem with that is the motivation is wrong. Yeah. And also the quality is sporadic. So mm. brands like that can put out the coolest, best quality project because they just happen to have the right contractors available that are a great combination. Or yeah. they can put out trash. Mm. And that's a big risk because... Yeah, there's, there's a no lot of agencies. There. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so one of the things, plus there's just the freaking moral reason that you should give people a proper job and like <laughs> job security sure. and insurance and yeah. like all of those things are important to building a proper company, right? Like how are you going to build a good culture when people are in and out or they, they can't send you their contract and you didn't pay it for two weeks and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. A large, and don't get me wrong, we use contractors like everybody does, Sure, but we'll use them for like illustration because illustration is different every time. It's really hard to find someone who has like, I can just illustrate any style. Of course. And we don't like to do clients the same. So we're unlikely to recommend the same illustrator for 10 jobs. And we we have some designers that can do illustration. So we use them for like concepting. Yeah. But then once we, so right now we're, we're working on a really big brand for a large streamer. Mm-hmm. And okay, that's probably all I can say about it, but we are getting an illustrator for that. We, ha- we used an illustrator, yeah. but it, it had a specific style that we were looking for. And we had like 20 illustrators. We were like, these are the list. This is number one, number two, num- and we're going to contact them all. Mm-hmm. The only other thing we would use it for is, is uh, website development. And okay. actually the only reason we do that is that web developers are freaking expensive. Yes. They're so expensive. And for a small yeah. company like ours, we just have three people that we work with all the time that we know are always available that we know make five times what we can pay them. We know they're reliable. We know they're good. That's how we do it. Eventually we will have them in house. Cause we'll, as again, when we get big enough clients, we're going to be like, all right, we can afford you now. You're coming on board. Right. And, Cause we want to be able to do all of that in house. Well, and creatively it can be tough to hold on to people at times too, because of the portfolio. I think I've worked at very small design studios and then I worked at an, you know, content studio inside a major agency and it's super hard at a bigger agency to hold on to people because it's like mm. like Bacardi's our client you get that burnout my entire portfolio is just this but also I'm a slave mm-hmm. you know when you're a freelancer or you hop around from one agency to another it's like hey I worked for Nike for a while okay I got enough shoes in my portfolio <laughs> right yeah I, I don't want to be just Nike nobody sees what else I can do Jump here, jump here, jump yeah, here. So that's an interesting dynamic. I do think that you, I can't remember who told me this, but one of my managers at one point told me this, like you, you can't plan, you can't be afraid of losing people. Like you have mm. to be there to back them up. If they, if people are leaving, it's, it's like this for one or two things. One, they've outgrown you and you should be freaking yeah. proud 
because you built them to that point and you should yep. be super. At the end of the day, they're going to go somewhere and they're going to wax lyrical about your company to their new employer. I've heard a lot of feedback on that. It's like your goal should be to build this person up to to yeah. set them up for their next step. If they stay or you can promote them, great. Yeah. If you can't, so what? Like they, right. they move somewhere great. You should be proud that you helped them get to that point. Sometimes they'll become your, your customer, your client. Oftentimes, actually. Yeah. Oftentimes. I, yeah. And it's easy for us right now because we're not that big. Mm-hmm. And actually, we're actually only planning to get to about 50 employees. We're actually trying to stay. We'd rather do cooler and better projects with our existing clients and stay at around 20 or so clients yeah. than have 200 clients, but to be faceless. And one of the sure. things we always say to our clients and why we don't like the agency model in general is our goal is to be like a department. It's like, we're like your marketing department. So at any point you can poke us and be like, it's why we don't do by the hour contracts. We just right. don't, we just go, it's a contract for this and this. And during that time, we're just available. Like we have a Slack channel open or a Discord channel and mm-hmm. we just chat. I mean, literally we spam memes and dumb comments and talk about the gaming industry to like Blizzard's marketing team yeah. in our Slack channel because we're all friends. And, and it built a great rapport, right? Yeah. And they, yeah. they trust us. It's why we have relocked our contract with Blizzard for this year. You know, it's, it's, and actually it's growing a little bit. Cool. It's because we like working with them and they like working with us and yeah. they trust us. And we, we tend to work on this like traffic light system where we do have a scope of work and it does have deliverables and amounts of revisions and things like that. Uh-huh. But if we have to do a couple extra things, we don't, it's no big deal. Like we, right. we're flexible. If, if they ask for like 400 more graphics or a 3d motion graphic that's two hours long, there's going to be a discussion and they're aware of that. And I think right. that setting that expectation is important. But what we don't do is at the end of the month go, by the way, we worked an extra 20 hours. Here's a bill for $8,000, right? Like right. that's what we don't do. Cause I've had that happen to me when I've worked with agencies and it feels awful. Yeah. Like, you feel like the agency's tricked you. You feel like they've betrayed your trust. I mean, I'm sure you've done this, right? Where you come into the meeting, the agency, the agency's on the other side of the screen or table and they go like, right, what have you got for us? And you're like, aren't you the agency? Right. <laughs> aren't you supposed to have stuff for me? Like uh-huh. I want ideas, not like we pay you to tell us what's the right thing to do or help us with that. And, and yeah. we always say to our clients, look, honestly speaking, if we're not slightly annoying for you, we're probably not doing our jobs because mm. we have a lot of ideas. Like we put creative in the name of our company for a reason. You mm. know, we're very creative. So if we're not coming to you with new ideas and concepts and like, oh my God, we totally have this idea and getting excited, then you probably should stop our contract because mm. that's what you're paying for. Like we're going to, yeah. we know your deliverables and they're going to get done, but that's the baseline. Like we should then be coming up with cool ideas and like, oh, we've been doing this and this for your brand. You know, that's important for us. So yeah, that's kind of the, the, the mindset we have around it. Yeah. It's interesting. I I very quickly was, went from an agency to a brand who was a client of that agency. It was so funny to see the dynamic on either side so close together because when you're at the agency it's like oh the stupid client they won't answer <laughs> yeah. an email they've got all this stuff they won't take like, our oh, great just ideas want it bigger again look what how the hell? look like, at all these great ideas we have they won't do them blah 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 then you go over the brands and oh the stupid agency they don't get it they won't give us yeah. anything that's any good blah, blah blah and 
it's a hilarious dynamic to see both sides of that coin. Yeah. And like you said, it's why it's so important to have a great rapport. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm by no means an expert at that. But like I said before, like I'm a good, my origin is in customer support. Yeah. And a CEO is just a customer support agent. Like all I do is support my customers, which are the clients and my staff. Yep. Like, and I was actually thinking about this before I came, like it may be slightly weird way to say it, but this a job as, an, as a CEO is to aim to be the most useless person in the company. <laughs> like, okay. Talk like, a little about that. Because if you're the most important person in the company, you are not delegating trust or skill set enough out that you become a danger because you're now like even even now with AOE, right? There's some stuff that I'm very important about, like new clients, right? Sure. Like every CEO at the start of every company is the biz dev guy, right? Yeah. Like I lock in new clients. That's right. my job, my responsibility. It's the highest responsibility you can have. Yeah. Because if I don't lock in clients, my staff don't get paid. Right. And that's important. But eventually my job is to be sure that if the company loses me tomorrow, you or can still go. Markel, for example. Or you can go on vacation. Tomorrow, <laughs> yeah, One know. of these days. I don't, know, I don't know any CEO that does that. <laughs> but yeah, like it, the company needs to be able to function without you. So yeah. your goal is to make it so that it can. Well, the, if you're a bottleneck too, if everything's exactly. coming from you and you're too intricate and you're, sometimes we can suffer with insecurity from the standpoint of, I'm a little insecure to hire this dude or well, like, he's better than me or smarter. trust is such an important thing. Mm. And I think that you have to trust people have to, you, when they come in, they should have your hundred percent trust and yep. they lose that trust. They don't have to earn your trust. Mm. Like if they come in and have to earn your trust, then you're taking the wrong approach with them or you hired the wrong person. That's a good point. Yeah. Like when I hire someone, I need to be like, this guy's amazing or this person is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I know they're amazing and I'm going to, treat them as such from day one. Yeah. And if they then mess up, that's when they start, I can start, I tighten the reins a bit. Sure. And then we control a bit more. And then if they get better, I lose in the reins, you know, like, but you should start with loose range and let them have freedom. And I I think, ironically, a good example of that is our two other founders. So the minority owners, which is Thomas and Nabil, Mm -hmm. both are young or young in the role or young, just young. Right. <laughs> and recently, like they're, they're probably the two I'm most proud of in the mm. whole company because Nabil, I mean, that guy has just like found his calling. Like he, he was a caster and then he was like marketing events guy. Like, <laughs> and we, we actually put him in that role because he got put in a really crappy role at Infinite and we okay. saw some potential in him and wanted to like see if he would be good at that, which he is good. He's great with people Yeah. to like, now he's a PM. Cool. Like, and, and ironically, I don't think he ever would have thought he would be a good PM, mm. but he is like, he craps he's on organized, every other huh? PM I've ever worked wow. with. Like, because he's, he's organized. He has a science back, like a computer science background. So okay. he, he's good at like building tools that allow him to work faster. Uh-huh. He gets Jira and programs like that at like the programming level, cool. not just the, user level. level but he's also yeah. because he's good with people and again maybe i can't stress this enough a project manager a good one is one of the most valuable things you can have in a company 100 period absolutely because you don't just have to have a technical ability to be the most ridiculously organized human being on the planet 
you also need to be amazing at talking to people. Right. And great because you got to tell designers who do not want to do that task at the last minute. I know this so well. That yes. they have to do the task. Right. So you have to build a great relationship with them or they're going to have developed this hatred because mm-hmm. as a PM, you're the, you're the, the glue between the biz dev team who are overselling your product because they kind of have to and yep. the d- design team who feel like the biz dev team don't get them at all. Right. And the bigger your company gets, the bigger that divide gets as well. Like right now, that's not a big deal, mainly because they can't be angry at me because I'm the owner, but you know, <laughs> eventually not. Yeah. But and it's why PMs will often do new business outreach as well for a small company because <clears throat> they understand what the capabilities of the, the design or development team have. Yeah. So when they're pitching it, they're not overselling. And because sure. overselling and then under de- under delivering is a really bad idea as well. Yeah. Some like, of the worst biz dev people or, or, you know, new salespeople, they go out and they get this business, but then the agency or their support oh. staff hates them because they're like, you told them we could do all this. There's we can't stuff, do that. There's some stuff that at Optic that I was just like, when they were like, yeah, we got to do, we promised them like, like 40 videos a year. And we're like, do you know how many videos, like how much are they paying for this? Oh, it's like $200,000. Like, are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> like 40 videos at that amount? Like that's not, that's just ridiculous. Like right. no one can do that. That video, we now don't like hire four video editors just to do this. Yeah. And they going to hate themselves and, and the brand it's not good for the brand because mm. Optic is a very strong brand and it needs to have its, it needs to be like 70, 80% Optic and yeah. then sponsors building up the, the uh, like the 20, 30% of the, the, the revenue, right? Mm-hmm. As soon as your sponsors are over 50%, you're just the sponsor bullshit brand right. that just does sponsor deliverables all the time and nothing else. It doesn't feel organic. The fans will drop off because they don't feel like you actually care about them. Like right. anyway, PM, super valuable. Nabil is an absolute God. And, and then the other one from, is, is Thomas. Like Thomas is super young, super passionate about the industry. To begin with, when he started at AOE, the passion was a little higher than the capability. Mm. So he had a lot of technical knowledge, but he, he would let the passion like over, over, overwhelm him and he'd get very frustrated. Right. What, is, so, what is his role? He's the head of marketing okay, yeah. for us. And the passion would like overflow and he would lose the sight of the client, like what the client wanted. Yes. And he'd get frustrated and that frustration. It was would, what he wanted because he was so yeah. passionate versus. And he was right. That's the thing. He was right, but it doesn't matter because right. no matter how right you are, if the client, if the client feels your frustration, they just mm-hmm. don't want to listen to you. So we worked a lot on, well, he worked a lot on that. He's got a, a he did a lot with building up his, his background understanding. Mm-hmm. And like now, like, well, even for the last year, like it's mind blowing his ability. Like he's leading, mm. like we have a couple of very, very large clients, one of which, you know, but I can't talk about. Of course. He just built like a 50, 60 page, three year marketing campaign for a billion dollar company. Wow. And like I read through it actually today, we, we went over one of the larger final parts of it now that Markel's made it look really, really sexy. Sure. And I'm like, holy crap. Like there's, there's a few times when you do work that you're like, oh, we could take on really big companies with this kind of stuff. Like this is, that's a great feeling. This yeah. is big company stuff. We're a real deal now. That's cool. And this came from like 25 year old dude. Mm. Who, and he has just dived into learning about 
the industry. Like he's okay. made connections with marketers at like basic agency, paper crowns and like, and they share information. There's this bunch of hungry young people yeah. who like, he has, there's a couple of clients we have now that I have n- no, other than being that annoying CEO in some of our main meetings, I have no connection with. And I am like, happy that I don't because I know run. the work is better when he this. does it. <laughs> and that's cool. Like that's yeah. so cool. And I, I know some owners especially get upset by that. They want to be involved in everything. I, I've experienced mm-hmm. that with bosses in the past where like, they just want to be cool. They want to be part of the cool project. They want to be able to put their, right. but really you should just trust your people that they can do it. <laughs> yeah. One thing I want to talk a little bit about is we were talking about this before we started recording is growing a business. And so what you're talking about right now, it's great because it enables you to scale when mm-hmm. you're not the bottleneck yeah. of everything that happens. Everything doesn't have to go through you. You're hiring strategically. You're hiring, hiring smart people and you're empowering them. You're in this interesting situation right now where you're going from startup and you're now a small business. And you're, you, you said there's not a lot of material on this because it's not the sexy thing of yeah. like, Oh, start a new business. It's yeah. how do you scale from small to a little bigger to then a little bigger. And I know from some of uh, a mentor, I was actually talking with him and he said, you know, a lot of businesses fail because they're not set up to scale properly. So once you get to a certain point, you can't handle that. And then you just go yeah. out of business. Especially agencies. Yeah. Like, like you said before, like going back to that point about hiring people for projects, uh-huh. we kind of work on this concept of like, we need to be at a point where we're almost breaking because we've got too much work before we hire people. Right. Because what I don't want to do is lose a client and have to fire people. Because Absolutely. that's awful, first of all, for them. It's also awful for you as a leader's state of mind because no, no matter how much of an ego you have, nobody likes firing people. It sucks. Like it, yeah. seeing the devastation on someone's face when you fire them is horrible. And it's, it's so like expensive to hire destroyed. somebody. Yeah, well, that too. And then you fire yeah. someone. What happens? You land this other project. Oh, now you're going to hire you said, somebody you're else. Also, and- sending a pissed off person into another company mm-hmm. who's going to be like, yeah, screw those guys. They're assholes. Like, so that scale is really important. But also, yeah, like you said, like you don't see a lot of TED talks about like how to scale an average business, right? Like, <laughs> it's always like Mark Zuckerberg. I'm going to click on, on that stage. one. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, yeah. It's like, it's always like, yeah, Mark Zuckerberg on stage. It's like the, the CEO of Zynga is on stage to talk about it. It's like, yeah, but that's like, that's like saying how to be relatable. a YouTuber. Like, I don't know, like Preston Place is on stage to talk about being, it's like, he's a one percenter, like right. a point one percenter, right? Like, right. dude can tell you some great stuff about being a YouTuber. But Absolutely. at that point, I'd rather speak to someone who has a thousand followers on YouTube right. on like how to make the next step mm-hmm. than the dude who has 20 million followers on YouTube yeah. because that's a while away, right? Like there's right. so, and, and yeah, like we said, like Facebook is uh-huh. started just like every business started. It's a couple of friends in, in a house or an apartment. They got a vision, they got an idea, but then it went like, <laughs> like, right. like and, and most businesses don't do that. Like, yeah. and I think that's the, there needs to be more information on people who say like, Hey, here's how I scaled from three people to 10 people. Here's how mm-hmm. I scaled from 10 people to 20 people. Here's how I scaled from 20 people to 50 people. Like yeah. how to do it properly. Like all those annoying things that you don't know, like I was talking about before where we're like, okay, we're actually getting a real office now. Mm-hmm. And 
all the shittiness of getting a real office. Like, I mean, a lot of people I know who maybe listen to this have bought a house, right? Times sure. that by like now it costs you a hundred thousand dollars a year, yeah, uh, as a as a deposit and overhead. Yeah, all the overheads, the internet set, uh, internet. I mean, my God. I mean, I'm going to shout out to Spectrum actually because they just gave us a great deal. But like, it's still like eight hundred dollars a month for your internet. Like, yeah, what the hell? Like all that stuff, and you know, more money, more problems. All, all these things that are like really. Just no one talks about it because it's boring. It's the boring stuff. Right. And it's like, that's the stuff that really screws people, I think. Like, mm. how to do your taxes properly. Like, as before I started a business in America, I was always like, how did these famous people get screwed over? Like, how come they keep going to prison for messing up their taxes? Like, then now I you know. did taxes. <laughs> and I was like... Now, some people huh. just didn't pay them. But there's also You could just a be lot breaking the law by accident. Right. You don't even know it. Like yeah. we, we just switch over to a new, uh, a new payroll system where luckily we're growing really well and we have a good profit. So people actually want us, which is nice too. Um, yeah. It's always nice when shockingly you have money, people want to suddenly, suddenly they want to give you some cool stuff. Of course. Um, yeah. We just move over to this new system and they're like, wait, you didn't do what? You don't have the I-5-1-2-3-4 form? Like what the hell? You've been like breaking the law for the last year and we're like, I didn't even know that form existed. Right. I have no idea what that is. Like shows the importance of, sort of stuff. accountant. <laughs> yeah, but th that that sort of stuff is it seems boring, uh -huh. but it's really the stuff that you need to learn if you getting being a startup, right? There's all this stuff about like how to secure capital, blah blah blah. There's lots of information about that. Yeah. And it's really good. It's really good information. There's mm -hmm. not a lot of information about like okay, so you survived we we called it the don't fuck up year. Sure. Know, but there's a don't fuck up year for every company, which right. is generally your first year. Yeah. Right. Which is like, get through the first year without screwing up. That's a pod. Like we even said that to investors, right? Like uh -huh. this year, our goal is to not fail. That's the only, <laughs> the only goal. Yeah. Then we'll Stay think about profit. <laughs> right. You know, so, and we were very lucky. We, in our second year, broke a million dollar revenue mark, which awesome. for us was, was huge. Also, it meant Thomas had to eat ghost chili on video which was the main motivator. <laughs> He's still got to do that. You're like, I'm, I'm going to work these weekends. We were, to sit, get we were sitting in LA, actually when we got our investment, uh -huh. just after our meeting with Axiomatic, having breakfast, and he was like, we, had, we filmed it on my phone, him saying like, if we ever hit a million dollars in one year, I'll <sighs> eat a ghost chili. Famous last words. And we were like, okay. And the whole, all staff knew this. And that was the big, we were, everyone was talking about revenue because we're, we share quite a lot internally about like how much we're making, how we're doing. It's quite important. Mm -hmm. We also do like a massive report to our investors every quarter about not just how we feel, right? Not just money, but how we feel. Right. Clients, we got what excites us, what doesn't excite us, what we're worried about, all of that. Mm -hmm. And the ba the main thing everyone cares about is how close is Thomas to eating <laughs> ghost chili. <laughs> That's the main. It's just so stupid. But. Maybe you should get somebody. It sounds like Thomas is pretty crucial. Maybe you get somebody else. Maybe Nabil can eat a ghost chili. Next yeah, time. I mean, no, but he can heal. He can handle it. Ah, uh, well, that's it. He's Pakistani. That doesn't he's, make it he fun. He eats ghost chilies every day. Without yeah. Caring. Well, you you mentioned a little bit about about investment and Axiomatic is your investor. There's some famous people. Michael Jordan is an investor in Axiomatic, and they've got some famous Team Liquid. Yeah. I believe as well. Yeah. Right? Well, that, uh, actually, that's how we met them. So, yeah. I talk was... a little bit about that process of. <laughs> How you went about compared getting to? That do you want to talk about America versus England process? Yeah, let's do it. God, we have about twenty different. minutes here, so I want to. Oh God, I want to um, get that in. England, it was horrible. Nobody wants to talk to you. You have to have a 
airtight business plan in the first meeting with your investor mm. um, who will probably tell you it's crap and that he will never speak to you again. That's England. The only investor I got in England was American. So there you go. <laughs> America is, is, is a different story. The land like, of opportunity. Yeah. Without a doubt. Without, like I, I'm a living example of that, I guess. Like, sure. Like, okay. Yeah, to be fair, I'm a like white English immigrant. There's hardly an immigrant really to America, but like we locked in half million dollar investment in six months wow. and invest we were talking about investors in america are much more risk unworried yeah um, they're much more about well, gambling uh-huh. um, they're much more about investing in people like human beings mm-hmm. um, unfortunately that that does make some big mistakes but sure. it can make some great successes as well Mm. Our process was a bit weird. So I actually originally spoke to Dan Fidden at Cloud9 because I knew him through a project we were working on at AOE. Yeah. We, Eunice, who was the old marketing director, is really good friend of ours. Cool. Um, yeah, so we were working on a brand for them and I met him at BlizzCon, what, 2018? What, no, okay. 20, 2019. Uh-huh. Had like a half hour meeting with him, talked to him. Dan really only invests in in game companies, right? But he gave some really right. great feedback. I really like Dan. He's an awesome guy. But about an hour later, I had a chance, like half hour booked with Victor Gusens from Liquid mm. through a friend of ours, through, through Chris. And I had like half hour booked with Victor. I talked with Victor for like six and a half hours. Wow. And at the end of it, he was like, I want to invest in you guys. And I also want to introduce you to Axio. So he became like our lead. Okay. And he also probably one of the smartest business human beings in esports. Like the mm. guy's ludicrous. Like he's probably one of our most trusted advisors in general. Cool. Yeah, he introduced us to to Leo from Axio. Mm-hmm. Leo is a very clever marketer. Like he has a marketing background uh-huh. in like disgustingly detailed about what he does, but mm. also a massive StarCraft fan. So I vibed with Leo about StarCraft for a few hours. We then talked about the business. He was like, yeah, I mean, Axio doesn't really invest that small an amount of money. Mm. But we kind of pitched the idea to him of like, well, you bring on big brands all the time. Wouldn't it be helpful to have an agency that does, you can have, you can A, run brand understanding past them. Just be like, what do you think about this brand? What do they need done? Yeah. Like, so as you know, like we're like a, we're like a regulator, right? So when the brand right. new brand comes in, he'll fire it to us. Like, what's their logo? Like, what do you think? How, what's their like brand strategy? Like, how do you, f- That's smart, from a yeah. marketing perspective? So we'll do mm-hmm. that. And then, you know, when like they bring them on, we yeah. can do the stuff for them that they said they needed as well. So we've got this like, okay, and the money stays within their system, right? So it's, they're putting investment in who's paying AUE, who's like Bringing some of back. that investment money is coming back through profit. Sure. So that was kind of what we sold it on initially. Uh-huh. And then we met with Bruce. We we had like a grueling hour around the table with Bruce. That was terrifying. Like, what were some of the like questions Bruce. that he had for you guys? It it so he mostly posed case concepts to us. So he'd be like, okay. "So this team, we own Team Liquid, right?" And we're like, "Right." And he's like, "What would you do with it?" Right. And like you're like you know like um, at the spot, time we were like, yeah. "Well, kind of Liquid is." I do a lot of like comparison when I do branding work okay. and. In fact, we, we all do, Markel mostly, but we were like, well, Liquid's kind of like the Mercedes of esports, right? Sure. Like it's all about quality over quantity. It's all about like, this is the thing everyone wants to achieve is to be at Liquid's level. Like, and right. they're not, and this was two years ago now, but sure. yeah. at the time we were like, well, they're not, 
really like was this before fashion. they did a deal with Honda because <laughs> that was <laughs> ironically yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah and so we went through that and then he asked us a lot about like our projections and targets because you've got to one of the things I learned in the UK and actually that's that's one thing that I would say and, and that I do now is is I will share minus some very like important data pretty much anything about our business build with anyone who's starting a business because a few people did that for me Mm. when I started a business and actually when I talked to you, you did the same for me when mm-hmm. I first talked to you about it and you were like, this is what I learned. Yeah. And it was like no whole bad. And I actually think a lot of new business owners do this where they'll yeah. be like, I remember when I really wish I had that information and no one would freaking tell it to me. Right. So I'm going to tell anyone who asks what Absolutely. I believe. And so Love that. that's one thing that a few people shared me is like, be open, be like realistic about your projections as well. Mm-hmm. Because you might get investment on being unrealistic with your projections, but you're not going to have fun. <laughs> like, no, because your investors you are going to be like stress. Yeah. So we did, we did a, actually, it took it to a different point. We did a, this is what we're expecting. This is a conservative estimate. And this is a like best case scenario estimate. So mm. we showed our investors what could be, but we also yeah. said, we don't think that's actually a thing. But if like if somehow, the stars align, you yeah, know, then this is possible. Happen, yeah. And then a big thing was showing them examples of, because investors are still interested in your exit, right? Like I'm not interested in exit when I'm building a company. No CEO right. is, no. but investors are interested in like, okay, what, if you want to exit, how would it be? Even yeah. if you don't want to, and you have other options, how would it be? Yeah. And so we had to be like, okay, well, we had to a bunch of research on other agencies that had followed a similar path and luckily with creative agencies there's a lot you know like you right. just need to go like media monks and just they sold for like 300 million dollars on mm-hmm. their like year six and so Incredible. there's a lot of like good agencies that are great examples of how yeah because there's a gazillion adapted. agencies yeah. yeah and and there's a lot of great successes so i think that was a big swaying factor i think the concept of like being an asset to them in general. Like mm-hmm. we built, Bruce did a, did a, a really important like speech about esports at Tech TechCrunch or one of the really big conferences. Okay. And we did like his whole presentation with 3D, we did 3D animated Sick. PowerPoint slides. And That's awesome. like, and he just blew everybody's minds, you yeah. know, by that. So there was some stuff there that we do as well, but yeah, it's, it's been good. And, and I would say, People say it all the time, but you do have to really believe it. It's like pick the right investors for you. Like we were True. lucky mm. that I like Victor because Victor's really blunt like I am. And yeah. I like that feedback strategy. I don't like beating around the bush. I'd rather someone just said, you're an idiot and this is right. how it is. Yeah. I like and it then, a little softer, but. Yeah. It's, different I think it's a European American thing as well. <laughs> Maybe um, so. And then Axio is, Axio is very hands off. But they're mm. very, they're very supportive when you, as long as you're not trying to hide things from them. Yeah. And then Chris is like the crazy visionary guy. So if you've ever got crazy ideas, you just fire it at Chris and he just goes crazy with it. Nice. And that, that's, that's a good mixture. Yeah. And then the other good thing is we don't, we, we gave away very little of the company. So we have complete very control, um, yeah. which is, yeah. Very, People very make important. that mistake. They'll give away too much a lot of times because they get, little accelerator well they don't have anything like, someone says like a million dollars to you and you're like <sighs> but then two years down the line you hate your life because they've right. locked you in for three years and they're making decisions about your direction that you didn't want to take so yeah for us that's a big I, part 
Yeah, I think that's great. Walk me through a couple just for our audiences, you know, people who are going to be listening to this are going to say are looking for funding, you know, and, and some investment. What are some do's <sighs> and don'ts that you can provide to us that that you know from experience here? Okay. Do allow yourself to dream about what it could be. Okay. Like don't 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 keep that to yourself. Like don't 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 water it down for an investor. Like pour your freaking heart out to them. Like that's especially in America that's really important. Mm. But do make sure that you are showing a realistic technical vision behind that. The other thing is like like we were saying before like if you've got a personality as part of your brand like don't even worry about it. Like and too too much in America investors will invest in like a famous person. Mm. Like that that's a that's a big issue actually here is like you just have one famous face in the yeah. brand. Like we have a have one of our clients who like I was saying is like just just scraping along constantly trying to get just a, a million dollars in a, a developer. Uh-huh. And like they just they don't have a big name. They don't have mm. someone big behind them. So investors are like about the genre or I don't know like and, and it's a great concept they've got a working freaking model of the game already oh wow like that's really important but they have no big name like they have relevant people in the industry they've been working in the industry for a long time but they don't have that that hook yeah the, the investors know that that person can be used for marketing purposes which allows the brand to get that inflation which means it's a more you know there's a reason why that's interesting to them but yeah the same investors will invest in another new company with the same concept just because they have Joe Schmo who launched the first ever one of these games and has a following on social media. And that, I think investors need to be really careful about that. Investors themselves need to read business plans more and stop mm. looking at the people. And you as a, a person coming in, if you're not famous or have a background that the investor can understand, you better be damn good at selling your product. Like, and you better show so much passion that like, you know, the investor can't look away from you. I think that's a big, that's a big factor. And like, if, if I would, I'm I'm definitely not at the level of investing in people yet, but the big thing that I'd look for is intensity. Like the more intense the person is, the more you know that they are like, I have a really good friend, a guy called Ritesh Patel. He owns a company called Ticket Ferry. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a ticketing company. It does tickets for events. You wouldn't yeah. think that's that interesting. He talks to you about tickets. You get excited like, about You some cannot tickets. stop focusing on him for the entire time he talks about it because he's so intense. Mm. And he'll like look and he'll like follow your eyes. He's so <laughs> like, he's so passionate about it. Yeah. And like to the point of where like they're making like millions and millions of dollars. Like mm. they have Richard Branson as an investor for God's sake. Well, there's a name um, for you. And the Twitch owners, like they're crazy. But yeah. he's still programming for the platform whilst Ubering between meetings. Is that right? Like, that's how ridiculous these guys, and his brother, who's the co-founder, just the same, wow. but just on the, the business side, on their side, the technical side. Like, he would have been, like, I know why he has the investors he has, because it's a no-brainer. You meet that guy for 10 minutes, and you just cannot stop thinking about what he's doing, what he's talking about. And it's a ticketing platform. Like, it, yeah. it shouldn't be exciting, but it is. I know there's some investors who they say, I'm investing in the entrepreneur because I look at you, I hear the way you talk, I see your work ethic, what you're willing to do to accomplish your goals. No matter what you're doing, yeah. you're going to be successful and I want to be a part of that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a, 
a big part, but it doesn't mean that just because you're not like super intense or a great salesman that you can't have a good business. The problem is you have to, a lot of those people are going to be, you'll need to be showing your investors like working concept that's proven your thought because you're not able to sell them on the vision. Right. And selling them on the vision, because in America, people are investing in vision all the time. Yeah. They're aware that like half a million dollars here or there is no big deal. If you hit the right vision, that half a million dollars can become a billion dollars. Like that, Mm -hmm. it's totally doable in the States, maybe more than anywhere in the world, which is why it's so amazing to be here. But like, doesn't mean that if you don't have that, you can't be super successful, but you better have a really good working prototype because that's Mm. the only other way you're going to get it is if you can't sell it, you need to show them. You need to be able to be like, I'm not going to say a word here. I'm just going to show you that our platform or whatever we've worked has done this in this amount of time. And then they're suddenly very interested, but yeah. And ultimately I'd say it comes down to the business plan as well, because you can have the most dynamic personality in the world. You got a bad business plan or you haven't thought it through enough. You may get an investment because somebody invested in you as the entrepreneur, but you're not going to be happy at the end of the day when they start asking for their money. Yeah. Right. So well, that, that's Either way, so, you need to make sure that your business is really buttoned up and you're ready to deliver and you've thought yeah. through all of these different aspects. Yeah, and, and I think that's that's an, another important point to make is one thing I always tell friends who are starting businesses, like they're not going to look at your business plan until like the fourth meeting you have with them because yeah. they don't care. They're only going to look at it when they're starting to think about actually putting money in. Mm-hmm. But when they do, you better be ready. Like you better be ready to hit they're going to ask you a lot of questions and it, that's, you're lucky if it's just the investor because they're probably going to send your business plan to their accountant. Right. And that's the guy you don't want to, or girl that you don't want to talk to because that person's going to tear you apart. Like, and mm-hmm. you guaranteed you did a bad job. Like guaranteed, just accept that you did do a bad job. There's, there's no good business plan on day Get one. Get ready right? to receive some feedback. Yeah, you better yeah. be ready to take, take feedback and, and adjust your business plan to it because they're, when they're giving you feedback on your business plan, their intention is probably to invest in you. Yeah. Like, and at that point right. it's yours to lose. Mm. So if you can't adapt fast to what they've given you, mm-hmm. then you're going to lose their investment. You're not now trying to win it. You're trying to not lose it. Like that's a big part of that stage. Cause up to that point, you're trying to win their, their belief. Right. And then after that, you're trying to not lose their money. <laughs> and Good in fact, point. from, from the day you get it, that, that business plan, you're trying to not lose their money right. until you re- give them all their money back with their interest. You're trying to not lose their money. And that's a, a big part of that. I love that perspective. <laughs> I feel like I could talk to you forever. We yeah, need sorry. to have you back for another one or Markel. I yeah, know you I guys have some Markel's big announcements a... that you're not able to share yet, but you will be soon. So Story Mob's website what is I hear. as of last week. And that's, that's pretty, pretty awesome actually. But that's. All right. So before I let you go, what are some things that, whether you want to tease some things or how can people get a hold of you in a way that's beneficial for AOE? So to find us, for me, best thing to do is LinkedIn. Okay. Um, honestly, like, or you just go to aoecreative.com and just go through our contact. But honestly, for me, like LinkedIn's my social media platform, same as is yours. Same. I yeah. Think. yeah. I specifically like adding like, as long as you're not a, I help businesses grow their blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's that every everybody message I get. Yeah. Lead gen. Oh God, I just want to hurt myself. Uh, um, 
yeah, LinkedIn, especially like, like I love, love advising, like, cause of my background in teaching, I love helping young people who just, I will literally just add and answer questions from students because awesome. I want to help. But from a business contact perspective, LinkedIn's great. Aweedcreative.com if you're a bit bigger and you want to go through the official channels or Markel from on LinkedIn, Markel Lee, who's my co-founder. Markel's much more active on like Twitter and Facebook and stuff. So okay. you'll find him there. Thomas Hyduke on, on LinkedIn, which nobody can spell, but you'll find him through Send us. Send it out. He's much bigger on Twitter. He's a, he's a superstar Vine star. So, you know. Oh, like, nice. You know, do you know the Vine of the guy who goes in to his closet? He's, he's out with TSM jersey and he goes into his closet and he comes out with a C9 jersey. I don't know if it's really old meme. I haven't seen it, but I'll That's look it Thomas. up. That's Thomas? When he was like 16 or something. It's Incredible. Ridiculous. Mega Vine star. Uh, wow. Yeah. So LinkedIn for either of us aweecreative.com to contact us. Oh, teasers. We are working on some really cool projects that involve some very awesome, wholesome brands and some slightly less wholesome brands. And, and some video games. Yeah. Oh yeah, Probably. we're working on a video game. Actually, I can, I'm going to do a, a, a plug. Probably by the time this comes out, it's already running. There's a Kickstarter for a game called Immortal Gates of Pyre okay. by a game developer called Sunspear Games. Yep. Um, it's a strategy game. So it's like a, they're calling it a MOBA RTS hybrid, but it's more like a, it's, it's kind of like an RTS with, with MOBA-like things to it. Okay. Really cool. We did all the UI design for it. I, I linked some of their stuff. You can check nice. out their stuff on YouTube and stuff, but we're doing a Kickstarter not to make money, but to build community. We're doing a community building cool. Kickstarter, which Super is cool. really cool. It's one of the, the more modern ways to use Kickstarter, which I really like. Yeah. So the goal of it is to use Kickstarter to help us understand what the community want the most out of the game so mm. that we can guide the development pathway of the game to provide what they wanted the most. So instead of, plus they get cool shit. Well, obviously, most importantly. Obviously. You um, know. But it also allows us to understand like, hey, do you want like community meetups more? Do you want in-game these items or this? Do you want a battle pass? Do you want yeah. like that sort of stuff? It's really great for that. And you can, as a community, get involved in helping them at the early stage of the game. We got some really awesome people involved in that. We have like a whole advisory board and all this stuff going on that's really cool. So yeah, Sunspear Games. And then the Story Mob, we, we love those guys. They're like, we said that we're like, run walking the same paths as each other ourselves in story mob but them in communications cool. us in in brand and, and marketing love it just finished their website which is just storymob.com um yeah. which is a website so 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 much fun to make other than that yeah we, we got some huge stuff like in like three to four months time that awesome i pr probably shouldn't say anything about so. we'll have markel on to come talk about yes. it if that's or all thomas, right actually or thomas, thomas okay thomas would be the right one because he's He's a big driving force behind two of the, the really big projects we have coming. Um, Perfect. That I'm a huge he really marketing should. nerd, so I, I'd love to dig in with somebody like him. Dude, Thomas is, within five years, they'll, he'll be writing books about marketing, guaranteed. Awesome. Like he, he is like a sponge for marketing like knowledge. It's crazy. That's awesome. Well, like I said, I could talk to you forever. I appreciate you coming by and having you in the studio. So yeah, same. We're both talkers. So yeah. I look forward to, you know, getting together again in person. Yeah. But thank you for joining the, the DLC we Drop podcast. The new office party. Yeah. Invite me to the office party. I'll be there. 
But for now, I think our audience is going to get a lot out of this with company culture, with investment and just following everything you guys are doing. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the DLC Drop Podcast. This podcast is part of the Esports Futuri Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review.